0: Hi, this is Sean. I'm Liz. And welcome to Case Close. Question mark. What's up everybody? Hi. We are back.
1: And nocturnal now.
0: Yeah, we are uh, just going through a weird few days of just literally not sleeping and just doing work around the house.
1: Because COVID-19 is wonderful, and yeah. um, even though we weren't sick with COVID, we still had to quarantine due to work, so we got yeah. a lot done.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've had, you know, 10 days, you know, we together. we really
1: time together like that, so right. it was a blessing.
0: Oh yeah, for sure, and we've, like... Not only just getting stuff done around the house, it was just great to just chill out. Yeah. And just.
1: But with that means that we um, go to sleep at 8 a.m. Yes. And wake up, up at, all right, wake up at
0: like 5. Um, it's fine. So I'm really going to have to fix that in the next <laughs> oh my. couple days. Yeah. So am I. It's going to be fun. I'm, not I'm excited. excited. But right, well. today we have um, a really interesting one.
1: Yeah. This is actually not a. It's technically closed but not really.
0: Right. It's 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 we're going back to the uh to the uh are we questioning it um 100%. And, yeah. It it's going to be definitely one of the one of the ones where you're going to be sitting there and having to form an opinion of your own about yeah. what you think happened. And
1: I've mentioned this case before. This is the case that I couldn't remember the name of. The right, last one we were talking my, about, yeah. Yeah, and we said we were done with Christmas, but I lied to you.
0: Yeah, we're gonna bring you one more, one more Christmas one, more Christmas one and then uh, we'll start the new year off yeah. with uh, something different. Yeah. But uh, today it is gonna be my lovely wife taking most of the, uh, the. Uh,
1: Only because you don't like to do research.
0: Well, I mean. I'm just not good at articulating the research, so <laughs> I leave that up to her. But uh, she's going to be taking the lead on this one because she knows about it and has a better way of explaining it than me. So
1: there's just not a whole lot to like split up for this one like a different dominator.
0: Right? Yeah. So. It's 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 a little little more interesting, all yeah. over the place kind Unless of. stuff. Plus,
1: you don't know a whole lot about this case. No,
0: I only know just the, the simple stuff that you told me. So I'm These excited. Are my
1: favorite because I like getting your.
0: Reactions, Reactions
1: yeah. in life. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So we're taking it back in our time machine um, to 1895. Mm-hmm. And George Sauter, who was born as Giorgio Sodu, uh, he was born in Italy. Um, he was actually from Tula, Sardinia, but it's an Italian. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I know. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> I never know. Okay. He immigrated to the u.s at age 13 in 1908
0: what the hell
2: <laughs> go away Charles.
0: folks um we're gonna keep that part in because <laughs> yeah because okay. uh while we were sitting here um with our door closed to our studio here um the door just opened on its own
1: and we've told i thought i was gonna open again and we were gonna fight listen art we've named our ghost in here charles yeah or i have i named it before you kind of got here but yeah. um he likes to mess with us yes but you're getting annoyed, all right yeah
0: that was that was creepy
1: that's okay i'll sage the house later cool
0: back to what we were talking okay. about anyway all right <laughs> so
1: now we're at 1908 he is 13 he is immigrating to the u.s he worked on the Pennsylvania Railroad for a few years, delivering water and food to the workers. Um, we don't really know how long he was there. You know, the times kind of get like a little bit jumbled, so I'm just gonna kind of leave it very vague. Um, he then moved to West Virginia. He was very, very smart, and he um, really got along with the people there very easily. So he started working as a truck driver. But very quickly after that, he opened his own trucking company, hmm. and he met Jeannie Cipriani.
2: Wow.
1: Uh huh. Um, she was the daughter of an of the owner of a local store called the Music Box, and they met there. They were married not long after. I believe it was like a year later, and they were married in 1923. They settled in Fayetteville, West Virginia, and had 10 children between 1923 and 1943. Jeez. No, is the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's... we're going back to the time period where that's normal of like ten kids. Because like,
0: because like... like we said, we didn't know how many. They didn't know how many would actually survive at that point.
1: But I'm telling you, no. No. I'm, not. I'm,
0: I'm good with. I'm good. <laughs> I'm
1: good. <laughs> um. Anyways, so George was very outspoken. So he did really talk a lot and it was very loud. Um, which
0: wow, he... a loud Italian. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Well, okay. so... This, Sorry, mom. This... <laughs> It's very, it was a very small town, but it was a very Mm Italian-influenced town, Um, and this is the time of, like, World War II, we're getting into the 1940s. Right. And, um, or, like, kind of the precursors, you're talking about Mussolini, and, um, some of those issues that were going on, and he was very outspoken on his opinions on that, um, and... We'll get into that a little bit later, but but, yeah, that was something he talked about. He was not a big fan of Mussolini, which is. I was about to
0: ask: Is this man about? Is this about to get casually racist?
1: I mean, he was not, but the you know we got to remember the town was very split. You know, you always kind of have like the people who grew up believing that those things were okay. I'm doing the hand, and I don't mean to. (laughs) I can't help it, Um, but I yeah, Um, but yeah, like some people liked mostly and some people didn't so it was just kind of like just
0: i get that i've been to italian christmases i understand
1: so i cannot with you okay their oldest son joe joined the army and he was overseas at the point that we're getting to because this is a true crime show so you know some crime's about to go down some weird mystery let's go on but um, anyway, he's overseas. We don't really know exactly where at this point, but mm-hmm. he was um,
0: in the army, in, the
1: army um, in World War II, so he was over. He's not a part of this situation. Gotcha. This is when now we're up to um, 1945. Okay. And the whole lot, like world, changed for this family, for the solder mm-hmm. family. So, on December 24th, 1945, uh, after the kids opened a few presents um genie and george went to bed and left the children to play in the living room assuming they would go to bed on their own it wasn't that odd their kids were young like the um they the youngest that they had was two her name is sylvia but she slept in their room so mm. she they took her to bed and then the next oldest was five and it's you know probably around eleven thirty midnight and she just assumed like the kids are going to keep playing and older children that were 16, right. 17, like, they're, they're not unsupervised. Right, like, they they, were fine. they've got
0: kids that could take care of them. Yeah,
1: they were fine. Um, so they just assumed, like, they're going to go to bed. Um, like I said, Sylvia was put in her crib to go to sleep, and the other children were kind of throughout the house. There wasn't really a specific place that they were.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Around 1230 a.m., Jeannie was woken up by a phone call, so she runs into the study I had to kind of make it be quiet real quick. And she heard voices on the line um, while a girl's, like, laughing really creepily. And there's glasses clinking. And she's like, you have the wrong number. And she hung up.
2: Don't like that.
1: Yeah. So, she walks back into, like, the living room. And she noticed that all the lights downstairs were on. The front door was unlocked. And the curtains were open. Hmm. So... She locked the door. She noticed Marion, who was 17, was asleep on the couch. And she assumed that the other children just went to sleep upstairs. There were two bedrooms that they, they all shared. And she just assumed they all went upstairs and went to bed. Marion just fell asleep on the couch. She didn't think much of it. So, she turned the lights off, closed the curtains. She did leave the Christmas lights on, though. So, I'm assuming it was a tree or whatever. Mm-hmm. It didn't really go into specifics about what Christmas lights they were. But she did leave the Christmas lights on. And... She started, she went back to bed, she started dozing off, and she heard a loud bang and a rolling noise, but then she fell asleep. And honestly, I don't really blame her. You've got 10 kids. Yeah. It, they open presents from Christmas Eve time, you know, somebody's probably got a ball. Um, right. You've got 10 kids rolling. I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought much of it either, probably, if your kids, you think your kids are asleep upstairs, somebody dropped their toy, or they, you know, one of the older ones dropped food or what, who knows, like, she wouldn't have really thought a whole lot about it, necessarily, so she just goes back to sleep, and around 1 a.m., she woke up to the smell of smoke, and she ran to the study to call the fire department, which is where the phone was, but the fire was already in the study where the phone and the fuse boxes are, so she was unable to call anyone, so George Jeannie, Sylvia, who was 2, Marion, who was 17, John, twenty-three. And George Jr., who was sixteen, all escaped from the fire. And George, at this point, the parents are kind of thinking, okay, well, the, the other kids have to be upstairs. They might be asleep. Maybe I can't. You know, maybe they're not hearing what's going on. So George broke a window to get back into the house and sliced his arm. Mm-hmm. And he still was trying to get in the house. He ran into the house. He goes. To go up the staircase, the staircase is completely on fire. There's no way to get up that way. So he gets out of the house, and he goes to find the ladder that's always on the side of the house, and it's not there. And his goal was to get that ladder, get go to the window of the upstairs bedroom, break open the window, get the kids out. Right. Be, the ladder's gone. There's no ladder anymore. So he's like, okay, well, I'm going to get my cold trucks, because remember, he's at a truck, trucking company. He's going to back one of them up, and he's going to do the same thing. He's going to climb on top. He's going to get up to the windows and get these kids out. Neither one of the trucks started, even though they just worked the day before. Hmm. They could not get them to turn on. So, Mm. Marion runs to the neighbor's house to call the fire department. The operator didn't answer. so They call a local tavern, who also didn't answer. So, the neighbor is just, like, flustered and frustrated. So, they go to find the fire chief. Um, and they did find fire chief Morris and he started the phone tree. Cause you gotta remember that not necessarily everybody had a, I mean, they probably had a phone in their house at this point, you know, we're getting closer to the fifties. Um, so. But
0: it's still possible, especially he, in a place like West Virginia, that there might be.
1: Yeah. They didn't have, I mean, like my dad's a fireman. So like I, when he would get called, he typically wasn't on call. Um, right. but if there was something bad enough that he had to go to, he had a walkie. It right. was kind of always on, and like he just listened to it all the time, but he typically it wasn't like a you um, would just work your shifts, but right, they didn't exactly. have that amount of people to do that for. So um they did find and I believe I, this is kind of back and forth, but Morse may have been at that tavern that they tried to call. Um, I've read in a couple of places he was at a bar. I've also read in a couple of places he was at home, so I don't really know huh. the truth to that. Uh, I'll let you make your own judgments later. but anyway, he calls, he starts the phone tree to dispatch the department. So remember the fire started at one AM. Right. It is now eight AM before somebody shows up. So this is the this is what I was talking about with that when we're talking about that other case. Um yeah. and I'll say that, you know, the fire department showing up is just like one of those things like at that point what were they gonna do?
0: Right. I mean And yeah. they
1: don't have, you know, the resources like we do today. So um at that point the only thing that was left was Ash. This house completely burned to the ground. Gee. There was a basement um kind of left. Chief Morris then determined that the children had died in the fire um, with, so remember there's four more kids that are in the house. Right. And, I'm sorry, five more kids that were in the house. And he determined that they had all died in the fire. He said the fire was hard, hard enough to cremate them and leave nothing behind. The fire inspectors determined the fire was caused by faulty electrical wires The death certificates were made up before the New Year. So, remember this happened Christmas? Right. Like, New Year's Eve night, Christmas morning. Yeah. Um, Which is pretty quick to get that turned around. And their cause of death on their death certificates were fire or suffocation. Mm -hmm. Okay? Super weird, right? Yeah. Um, Also, uh, so the children that were inside, um, I forgot to name them. There were the five kids, Maurice, who was 14, Martha, who was 12, Louie who is nine, Jeannie who is eight, and Betty was five. So those are the those were the children that were in the house. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go to kind of we're gonna back up to right before the fires and kind of tell you about what happened. Um so now we're to before the fires. So I'm just gonna give you a little bit of the lead up Okay. what happened, okay?
2: Yeah.
1: The fall before the fires. A man approached the house in search of a job. Not terribly uncommon. He owns a trucking company, but it's still a little weird.
0: Right. Like, why go to the house? to go to the business? And well,
1: stuff. and I don't know if he worked out of the home. Right. It's a trucking company, so I don't know how much of it he did. They right. were hauling things, so okay. Um, I don't really know. Um, but he was meandering around the back of the house where the, fi- like where the fuses were, fuse boxes were. Huh. And he was like, that's going to cause a fire one day. So George like called the electrical company. They came out, and looked at it, they're like, "No, this is fine. Like everything's fine. We just did this. Like it's no big deal." So right. they didn't think anything else about it. But around the same time, another man tried to sell the family life insurance, in which George declined, and the man immediately became irate right and said, "Your GD house is going up in smoke, and your children are going to be destroyed. You're going to pay for the dirty remarks you have made about Mussolini." Okay. Mhm.
0: So we got a Mussolini supporter uh, selling life insurance. Interesting.
1: Yep. The older sons noticed around the time of the fire, like about a week before-ish, um, yeah. that a truck was parked watching the other kids come home from school. Super weird. So now you have three different instances that right. are super weird after the fact to be like, okay, you're telling me it's an electrical fire or my house is going to burn down because of an electrical fire and then it burns up right and then they demon an electrical fire this is weird and some guy trying to sell me life insurance told me my kids are gonna die right and now we can't find five of them
0: yeah that's definitely uh odd for yeah. sure
1: so we're gonna get into what happens after the fire So that was before the fire this is after okay okay Four days after the fire, George leveled the scene and dumped dirt where the house was to plant a garden in their honor. Which when I first read that, I was like, why would you destroy it? But I also kind of understand there was nothing left in this house. Right. At all. And there wasn't really anything to preserve.
0: So. Like crime scene wise. No. And
1: he did it with the intent to preserve it. It Because when he had dumped all that dirt, you'll find out here in a minute. It really did help preserve the scene. Because yeah, because it's, it's, it's buried. It's yeah. buried, it's there, and nobody can touch it. Right. So that, it did end up being helpful. It just sounds weird because it's like four days later you're going to level your house. Like, right. It, no, he did it intentionally to kind of, you know, preserve the scene.
2: Right.
1: So Jeannie, after they, you know, get over the initial socks, she started making her own experiments she would burn chicken bones, beef bones, other things to try to recreate what happened. She could not. Every time she ended up with an ash, like like still bone but just burnt.
0: Right, just a charred bone. Charred bone. Yeah.
1: She could not make it happen. So she talked to the local crematorium and they told her that for a body to completely be desecrated into nothing, it would take two hours and two thousand degrees.
0: Yeah, I was just like I was saying I'm pretty sure yeah, fires can burn pretty, like,
1: hot, hot like
0: and burn down a house, but the material in the house just burns easier.
1: Guess how long did the fire burn? How long? 45
0: minutes. Really? It
1: wouldn't have no mattered if it was 2,000 degrees. It was not right. long enough. Yeah. I mean, you would have had probably mostly bone at that point. You wouldn't have had any other materials of the, you know, a human, depending on where, you know, this house is burned to the ground. Right. But you'd have skeletons.
0: Yeah, exactly. There they, they would be remains. They'd be, like, probably charred or...
1: But there was no remains.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So, you also... We're going to go kind of into the Christmas lights thing. Remember how I told you they were on, right? Right. They remember the Christmas lights being on for the beginning of the fire. For a good ten minutes, probably, of the fire. Okay. If it was electrical, why were the lights on?
0: Right, like, if a fuse blew, it would have it it turned, turned to... off the electricity. I mean, I guess, in theory, it could... I you could say that yes, but it is possible that it could have blown a fuse in a specific spot of the house because, like, I know for me, like back home, um, like my old house in Jersey, there used to be a fuse that would blow all the time, right? And it would only turn off the lights upstairs
1: it could so I mean, but, it's
0: very possible but le- highly unlikely and I mean,
1: Christmas lights I don't know if it was a Christmas tree I don't know if it was outdoor lights right. I don't know what Christmas lights were. there was not really a whole lot on what the Christmas lights were or what they look like yeah so I don't know how they're I, I mean I, I've, I've talked to dad about it before with a different case about like how electrical fires work. typically I mean if it's an electrical fire, most if not all the lights would be off. okay. Um, But that's modern day, too. I don't know about in the 50s. They don't have some of the fail-safes. That in my, in my
0: head, thinking, though, too, as I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking this is also like the 40s, 50s, where... Uh, there's like, fail-safes. Where, where, like, it'll probably... Well, where, where like yeah. Now there's fail-safes, yeah. But, like, back then, it might just be one fuse. And the that... two
1: fuse few boxes were together. So, I'm assuming, like, in your house, you probably had two. one went upstairs and one downstairs, right?
0: No, we actually had you one. Just had the we one. had one unit, yeah. Well,
1: on my parents' house, we just had the one and the one here. hmm But... Like at the, my parents have a house at the beach and they have two. Yeah. So I don't know, um, and I, I would need to look into it further. But I, I feel like in the forties, it You're, seems it odd. Be, yeah, it would be it really just odd. Yeah. Weird, um, whether it is or not, but there's more odd things, even if we can say it's an electrical fire. But we're gonna continue. So. They found appliances intact and distinct, or they were distinguishable, I mean, you couldn't really use them, the appliances anymore, in the basement rubble. So they're finding things, like, I guess, I'm assuming like pots and pans, skillets, you know, cast iron things, or, you know, this is, we're getting closer to the 50s, they had electricity. Right. I don't know what type of appliances they necessarily meant, but they could tell what they were bone is stronger than most of that Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I, I feel
1: like i mean they didn't use as much plastic as we do now but still like right
0: a lot of that stuff was like more cast iron and things like that yeah, or but steel but I, it, was still it it's still hard. yeah it they, wasn't
1: hot enough to melt it right upon you know where you couldn't recognize it anymore right. so let's just remember that so the telephone repairman came out um it said that the lines were cut not burned Hmm. Remember, she tried to go to get the phone, and there was already a fire, in there, so she couldn't call anyway, um, but the telephone lines were cut. Hmm. While visiting the scene a few days after the fire, Sylvia, who was two, found a hard rubber thing, and George, I believe Jeannie grabbed it first, and then George took it, and he said it, he believed it to be um, a napalm or a pineapple bomb
2: huh.
1: that was used for warfare. Uh, which isn't super odd for this time period to come across bombs necessarily. Um, right. People would bring them home when they came home from war. And this must be in here. Also, I think
0: we all know how West Virginia is. It's I like mean, it's wild and been. wonderful. That's their slogan. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it wouldn't shock me if there was just me. some uh, dude in the backwoods of West Virginia in the 50s making napalm.
1: I mean, it just, yeah. So. And you got to remember, remember she heard the bang and the rolling
0: noise. Right, so that would make sense, you know.
1: That'd it's going through
0: the window or something like that. and
1: Right. So witnesses started coming forward, and a man claimed to have witnessed balls of fire being thrown at the house.
0: <laughs> That's casual.
1: Just, just no big deal.
0: Once again, it's a casual uh, West Virginia night. You it's, know? Just,
1: it's just a normal night there. A woman claimed to see the children in a passing car as the fire burned a waitress said that she had served them breakfast and they left in a car with Florida license plates. And then that was a little bit kind of like iffy because first she said that they left in that car then they said there was a car with Florida license plates so we don't really know what they left in. Right.
2: Um,
1: And another woman um, said that she saw four of the five children in Charleston, which was 50 miles away, with two men and two women of Italian descent. Um, they checked into a hotel, and when she tried to talk to the children, the man got mad and went and let her, and started talking to them in Italian, and they all stopped talking,
2: Hmm.
1: and then they left very early the next morning, and she said she felt like the whole situation was weird.
2: Yeah.
1: And this is before, you know, they had 24-hour news.
2: Right, So this is the
1: night that it happened, slash the next night. Now, this probably wouldn't have hit headlines yet. So... Nobody really knew um, until witnesses started coming forward. So two years later, in 1947, the Saunders wrote the FBI and received a letter from J. Edgar Hoover. Mm
0: -hmm. And this is what it
1: says. Although I would like to be of service, the matter-related appears to be of local character and does not come within investigation jurisdiction of this bureau. But he did go on to say, I'll give you help if you want help, if they'll let me. Mm -hmm. But the local fire and police department said, nope, don't help us. We're fine. So, Weird. yeah. So, the Saunders then hired a PI a named Cece Tinsley, who found out that the insurance salesman that, remember, we talked about came to try to sell them life insurance and got very angry um, was part of the uh, coroner's jury who determined that the fire was accidental.
0: Okay. <laughs> Excuse me.
1: Yeah. So the guy who shows up at the house, I'm trying to sell you and your children life insurance, and right. how dare you not take this because you sh- talked about Mussolini and you're gonna all die. Right. Um, is now part of the people who decide that this is an accidental fire. Hmm. Interesting. So then Tinsley, this is this is this is this is another
2: like
0: oh, another boy.
1: great thing. Okay. Tinsley then heard from a minister in Fayetteville that. Chief, Fire Chief Morris had hit a heart in a dynamite box at the scene, even though he claimed that no remains were found. So, Tinsley goes to Morris, and he's like, hey, man, like, I, you really need to kind of show me where this heart is. Like, you really need to tell the family that you found something, um, and we need, we need to go get it. So, he convinces Morris to take him to the house.
2: Okay.
1: And they find this dynamite box. Who then tensely then grabs it and takes it straight to, like, the coroner or the funeral director or whatever. Um, he, the funeral director or whoever was doing this, whatever, poked it. Blamed it for a minute. He said, this heart that you found is a beef liver and wasn't a part of this fire at all. What? <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm so confused right now, like
1: yeah, so at some point, which we're gonna get into the, I'll go ahead and just go ahead and say this, you know after after this, so the so the think, okay, they well, they found a heart, maybe, maybe you know they're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe they're like, maybe they just didn't want us to know, like you know maybe maybe they thought, maybe somebody thought that this would give us you know. Hell you know, if they found it, they didn't tell us and like it would just be too hurtful for them to tell us that you know if they found anything. Then when they found out it was a beef liver, they're like, what the heck? Like, why would you do that to us? Yeah.
2: Right.
1: So they started hearing uh, people talking because Morris started saying that he had only done that to placate the family enough to stop the investigation. So
2: okay.
1: Morris now let's just let's just recap that real quick. Morris, after the fire, No, this is two years later.
2: Right.
1: Has went back to the scene with a heart, but it's really a beef liver, in a dynamite box and put it in the ashes to then be dug up a little bit later to be found out it's a beef liver. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I just did it to stop the investigation. All right. Good on you.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah, so they continued to the search um, of their children, because, I mean, they're convinced that these children are alive.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, well...
1: what else do you assume? Yeah, exactly. So they continued searching for their children, and at one point, there was a photo um, of school children in New York, and George was convinced that one of the girls in the photo was Betty, which was the youngest, who was five,
2: okay.
1: uh, at the time of the fire, so she would have been about seven at this point. He drove to Manhattan, but the parents refused to talk to him. Huh. And I can kind of see this both ways because if for some reason in the future our kids in the newspaper and some person comes up to me, that's my child, I would be really freaked out and know you're not talking to me or my child. Right. Because this is someone lunatic telling you that this is your child. I could see it that way or I could see it as like this is a child that's being hidden. Right. So you can kind of do it either way. I, you know. I couldn't imagine just talking to somebody, even if you adopted a child, if we adopted it in the future and somebody's like, that's my biological child, I will come talk to you And my... I think that would freak me out.
2: Right.
1: It's Especially if you think that you did it in a normal circumstance, but we'll get back into those theories in a minute, but okay. I can kind of, I can't really blame the parents at this point because, yeah, you know, for sure, what would you do in this situation? So... In August 1949, they hired Washington, D.C. pathologist Oscar B. Hunter uh, to come and look through the ashes. While investigating the scene, they found shards of vertebrae. So Hunter sent them to the Smithsonian Institution, where they uh, produced a report stating, The human bones consist of four lumbar vertebrae belonging to one individual. Since the transverse recesses are fused, the age of this individual at death should have been 16 or 17 years. The top limit of age should be about 22 since the centra, which normally fuse at 23, are still infused. On this basis, the bones show greater skeletal maturation than one would expect for a 14 year old boy, which is the oldest solder child. Mm. It is, however, possible, although not probable, for a boy 14 and a half years old to show 16 to 17 year old uh, maturation. But the bones weren't part of the fire. And they found that it, they, these bones are actually probably part of the dirt that George brought in to preserve the scene. Which seems odd.
2: Yeah.
1: But the, the, but the vertebrae isn't his kid. Right. You know, the oldest. Child was 14. They're saying it could have been,
2: Mm.
1: but very highly unlikely based off, you know, how mature the bones were. And these are the only bones I found. They were shards. They weren't skeletons. Right. So it was a very odd amount. And I don't know that George, like, I don't know how he went about getting the dirt. It's not going to Lowe's today. So I don't know how he did that. But, you know, assuming he even just went to the back of his field and started digging and got it, you know, you're talking about a rural area where, yeah. you know, not long before that they just buried their den in their backyard. Yeah, true. So, I, I don't, it's not that unfeasible to me that he went and got a truckload of dirt, dumped it on the house, and it could have had skeletal remains in there. Right. Um. It seems super odd and super weird.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Or it could have been placed after. True. So, after this, there were two hearings that determined it was hopeless, and they closed up the case. So, George and Jeannie put up a billboard with a $5,000 reward that quickly increased to $10,000, and it had a picture of each of their children, their ages, and descriptions of them. This brought about a couple new leads. So a St. Louis woman said that the oldest Martha was in a comment there. There was a tip from Texas that talked about an incriminating conversation about the fire. Someone in Florida said the children were with a distant family member of Jeannie's. Georgia went to each place and tried to to follow every lead and nothing ever came of them. So in 1968 a letter from Kentucky is addressed to just Jeannie and she opens it up and there's a picture that said "Louis Sauter. I love brother. And on the back of it says, I love brother Frankie. It's a word that says I L I L. It's I L. I don't know what that, we don't know what that is really boys. A nine Oh one three, two or three five. And obviously that's weird because the only real sentence in this is I love brother Frankie. Yeah. And I read the other thing that's almost like Illinois boys. Yeah. But it's not spelled correctly to be that either. Uh-huh. And then the numbers are the coordinates? I don't know. Right. Like that's weird. That's
0: what I automatically went to.
1: Right. So they hired a different PI to go to Kentucky and they paid him a bunch of money but he left and they never heard from him again.
2: Nice.
1: Yeah. So... George updated the billboard to the newest picture, but they believe it was Louie, and he died a year later. Um, Jeannie died in 18, I'm sorry, in 1989. She wore only black from the day of the fire until she died, and her children and her grandchildren continued to, you know, investigate this case. So, how you feeling?
0: This is weird, for sure.
1: Yeah. So, I'm done throwing twists at you, so now we're going to talk theories. Okay. Okay, so what are your theories so far?
0: Well, I mean, there's definitely like I think the weirdest element of this for me is the whole um the idea that has to do with his like um is it the father's George? Mhm. Um George's um opinions on Mussolini. Mm-hmm. That is like the weirdest part to me. Okay,
1: well, let me give you a fact that goes with that. The mafia had tried to recruit George. But he said no. Oh. So then they tried to extort him for money, and he refused. We don't really have a great timeline on that. We just know that that happened, and it was before the fire.
0: Okay. (laughs) I mean, come on. Like, let's let's be honest, people. I think we've all... I mean, they're still looking for Jimmy Hoffa's body today. I mean, come on. Like, it's not that crazy to think that the mafia decided that they didn't like his answer, and they're like, all right, well, we're going to take everything from you. Yeah. But we're not going to make it obvious what we did to them. We're going to make you suffer for the rest of your life. Well,
1: let me add two more little things in here that I haven't mentioned yet. Okay. So that ladder I talked to you about in the beginning, you know how it's always against the house, it never moves, it's always there. They found that ladder. Okay. In a ditch near the house. Okay. Why?
0: Uh Why? So I mean... Who knows?
1: Nobody puts a ladder in a ditch. For, yeah. You know, just because it's, it's Tuesday and we're just going to throw it in the ditch. Right. Okay? Exactly. Somebody also saw somebody at the house. This is all I hear say at this point. But there's a, something that they used to get car engines out. And somebody, a winch? it was They called it something else. and it, It's probably a winch, but the... Yeah. the They called it something in tow. I don't remember, but. Okay. um, But anyway, they saw somebody leaving with that. Not two engines, but they just saw that. Okay. Remember, the cars didn't start. Yeah. So, those are two things that happened that were really weird. That, you know, George didn't just pretend like the, you know, he very adamantly tried to get back in the house. I don't believe he had anything to do with it. I don't think the family did at all.
0: Yeah, it doesn't Um, seem likely at all.
1: And everybody being connected. Like, how how is the insurance salesman part of the people who decide this is an accident or a fire? And why is Chief Morris hiding a dang beef liver as a heart at the scene of the fire? That's so weird. It doesn't make sense. There's, no, there's nothing that comes with that. Because you didn't put five. You mm-hmm. put one. Right. You didn't put bone. You didn't put, you know, it, it's just weird that they didn't show up
2: for
1: sure so sylvia is still alive um as of my last recent search which is you know the most updated i believe is like april 2020 so um i'm going off of that but she would have been um she's 79 now Mm. um so she is still you know adamant that her siblings lived through that fire right but some of their theories are that someone that they knew came in and warned them about the fire and took them quote-unquote somewhere safe Mm -hmm. and that's how they got out of the house without anybody really noticing
2: right
1: they might not have survived that night um which is another theory but if they did then if that picture was really Louie then maybe they didn't come back to protect the family.
0: It's possible, yeah. I mean, like, if they're thinking about it from the aspect of whether it's the mafia or somebody that's trying to, you know, hurt the father, yeah. then maybe they're thinking for the best interest of the family and their parents that are still alive, you know, maybe I won't come back as much as it hurts.
1: Well, and think of the ages, too. So they left all of the older children, and the only reason they really left Sylvia is because she was asleep in the parent's room. Yeah. They took the younger, the oldest one was 14. So from five to 14, you had the two older girls who were 14 and 12. So, you know, there was the account of the four. I wonder what happened and if, the, if it was the oldest mm-hmm. um, that they kind of decided no more. Um,
2: yeah.
1: You know, so, I'm sorry, the 14 year old boy, I believe. I don't, I mean, look it back up. I
2: can't.
1: Maurice, Martha, Louis. So Louis was the oldest boy who was nine. Okay. Yeah, so Maurice and Martha. Yeah, I was right. So 14 and 12. So, yeah, so the you have five children, 14, 12, 9, 8, and 5. 9, 8, and 5 is very easy to manipulate them into another home situation.
2: Yeah, for sure. They're
1: still young. And it makes sense how they got them out of the house. They wouldn't have been able to get the 23-year-old because they would have got their parents and got Sylvia and they right. would have got everybody out. But if they got the youngest one, so assuming, you know, um... That Marion fell asleep on the couch, okay? Other kids are still playing around her. Somebody comes in the front door that they may have known. Right. This is a small town. Hey, we gotta go. There's a fire that's gonna start. I don't... Come on, come on, come on. We're gonna get your brother's sisters out. There's somebody else in the car. You get them in the car, you close the door, you leave.
2: Right. You got. You
1: got who you could.
2: Right.
1: And, you know, they probably assumed that the house, if it was set on fire by a bomb... They everybody would just die. Right. But then they can get their use out of the younger ones. I mean, using quotation marks, because children are valuable. We know from other cases, even modern cases, that children being sold by adoption agencies that aren't really adoption agencies. Legitimate,
2: yeah.
1: People make a lot of money.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a huge industry, and the people who are adopting children don't know, necessarily. You think they're going through an adoption agency. And you talk about 40s, 50s, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of ways to research these adoption agencies. No,
2: definitely not. That's
1: a theory, is that, you know, they got adopted out, and they assumed that their parents died. Right. And even though they're looking for them, and they make these nationwide searches, and they do the best that they can, you know, being five, like, like in Betty's situation, you know... She wouldn't have really remembered, she would have had memories of her family and known that they were alive, but if you tell a five-year-old every day for two years your family's dead, when they when she grabs a newspaper that says, looking for these children, she'd be like, oh, that might look like me, and then you can kind of convince her that it's not. Right. You know, the 14 and 12-year-old, that'd be harder to do.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: So I wonder what happened.
0: It's possible, you know.
1: But now I ask you, where are the sire children?
0: I have no idea. I mean, that's just tough.
1: You think they died in the fire?
0: I don't think they died in the fire. No, I don't think they did it no, either. I, I don't think that that's even a possibility. Um, I definitely think that there might have been. Um, I'm just gonna keep going back to the whole the Mussolini sentiments yeah. that, and you're saying that the mafia tried to recruit him. I mean, this is a very clear, and just like. It, it it just it makes sense that this would be the mafia, yeah. Because they're they find ways to hurt you that are not always conventional, right? And they'll find ways to break your spirits, long, in like like for the longevity. Right. They're not gonna just do it to like do it right away. They want to make your whole rest of your life suffer.
1: Right. And Jeannie was an immigrant from Italy, but she immigrated here when she was three years old. Right. So they both had. Family over in Italy. So, some of the theories from other people that weren't in the family are well, maybe they did this and they sent their children off to live with family members and they're making this up to be a big deal and get insurance money, whatever. But they didn't have, they, they adamantly wanted their children back. They didn't. they it, Right. I don't, yeah, I don't that think that all.
0: that's what it is.
1: No. It's and possible
0: maybe like
1: family members didn't agree with them. And
0: maybe that's what, who was trying to get those kids out were like, family yeah. members of theirs that were trying to get the kids out of that situation and try and get them back over to Italy. Right. And, like, that's why... Which
1: seems very plausible to yeah. me. Yeah,
0: because then that would make sense as to why, like, it they never... Because I feel like even though it's the 40s and early 50s... It's
1: still so
2: long ago.
0: It's still it's still in the day and age where you could get news to people. Yeah. So, like, oh, the, yeah. The, the idea that these kids... Would see a billboard with their right. name on it or see a newspaper article or, or like see a billboard with a picture that looks like them or see right. a news article about it and and go like, Wait, that's my parents. It's very, even though it's the 40s, 50s, it's still very likely that they would, right? But you send them over to Italy, then
1: if they survive the night, if
0: they survived the night, or but if you sent, you know. The rest of the kids there, it would be a lot harder. Cause... Right.
1: Because if Lou, if that really is a picture of Louie, which the parents really believed it was. But this is 20 years later. Mm-hmm. This is a picture of a boy in his 20s. And they're saying, okay, well, it matches the age. He's right. got dark hair. He's got the curly. And then it looks like the same cut, same eyes. Like, this, this looks like what could be my son. I, I feel like a parent knows that. Yeah. So I, I do believe that they would, you know, same thing with like, the picture of Betty. It could have been. But... You're desperate. Yeah. So I don't know how much of it, it might not have ever been a picture of Louis. It's true. It might not have been at all. But he was so young, I think he could have been manipulated into believing it. Or if he knew something bad would happen if he went back. If this was the mafia and they said, okay, I'm taking your children, they probably would have went to another mafia family. And they would say, all right, listen, you go back to your parents, you won't like what happens. Right. I mean, we have, we've all seen the movies of the mafia. They're not very they're not very nice people necessarily. So no, definitely not. So, you know, there's a TV show about mafia wives. Yes. Cool. I I no, I just think it's cool.
0: It's very interesting. It is very interesting. I, I've I have only ever seen like bits and pieces of it, <laughs> I but do. It, but they make sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, the mafia is a whole another beast in and of itself, but especially oh. at this time period. This is something that like, you know, being part of the mafia. Yeah, it's no. not like what we talk about now. You know, like modern right. day mafia is not the same.
0: No, it's a very It'd different like
1: thing. And like,
0: yeah, back then it was very, um, it was a very, it, it was one of those things where like if,
1: high society crime, I guess, right. is kind of more so were, what the mafia was. Yeah,
0: if you were part of the mafia, you were yeah, you were doing a lot more high end stuff. You know, just kind of, but it was also very like familial like like there's there's the connection of family in the mafia Mm -hmm. is important so from their end if one of them's like if you know if george is saying like no i don't want anything to do with it they take that as an offense to their to
1: their family here when he came and immigrated here at 13 he came with a brother but the brother turned around and went back before they actually got to philadelphia
2: Really. So,
1: and nobody knows why George never, as outspoken as he was about the kids and anything that they wanted to know and whatever, he never talked about his early life. Huh. So we don't know what happened, why the why the brother didn't come back. Um, you well, know, we know that Mussolini was a dictator, so I don't know. You know, I don't know if the culture and like the temperament at the time there with the family
2: right.
1: had any. We don't we don't know. So. Did they come over at some point to visit, and that's when they decide? I don't know. Knows? Nobody knows. So, but Jeannie's family was here from the time that she was three. Right. So I, I don't know that it was necessarily her family because remember they thought that maybe the kids were with a distant family member there. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe it was her family. They said maybe you know distant family member took them to Florida that she had never met. It could have been. It could have, like going back to the mafia and being very
0: or a distant family right. Member, right you know what i right. mean like not family, really family. In, in quotes you know because right. a lot that's a very common phrase in the yeah. in, in the mafia a family yeah you know so they're not necessarily blood related but they're related by their connection right so it's very possible that you know maybe her family since they've been there since she was three
2: yeah
0: had ties to the mafia and maybe she didn't know that
2: yeah,
1: but yeah. You know, you there's know. no telling. And why was George asked? I feel like you don't typically get asked into the mafia unless you actually have right. a blood relative in it. But, I mean, maybe you did. I don't really know. But I feel like a lot of it had to do with my cousins in it, my right. brothers it's, involved. No, it's like,
0: definitely one of those things where you just don't get approached randomly. Off the street,
1: hanging with mafia. Right, here.
0: exactly. You, you, There has to be some sort of connection, yeah. either through family or through, like, a really close friend where you would be asked to you know join or like or you would be asked to do a job Mm -hmm. um things like that um do some work Mm -hmm. like they say uh paint houses right you know but uh it's um it's definitely not something you just stumble upon right so um it's it's very possible that it came from her side of the family and she just didn't know it yeah so this is a (laughs) this is a, a case and a half yeah I mean this has everything. This has murder. This has mafia. This has <laughs> mystery West Virginia. Um <laughs> uh, this I mean this is this sorry, is,
1: West Virginia listeners.
0: I'm sorry, yeah. But I mean you guys know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um but like it's, if you're proud
1: of the mafia, please don't come for us.
0: <laughs> uh my mother is very Italian, um and uh she's uh just a stereotypical nice Italian lady. <laughs> so uh don't come and kill us, please. Yeah.
2: And- but
0: uh yeah, I mean, and this... I don't
1: think every Italian part of the mafia. No, definitely That's not. That's not what we're saying. That's not we're what we're not saying. saying. That everybody in this town was a part of it, but it is odd that, like, you know, Chief Morris. Like, I don't know his background, but it seems to be a very highly Italian influenced right. community. And also,
0: if you're, and, and if there is a, like a, uh, if there is a mafia connection in the community, they like to make. Friends with it, Right. Them. So
1: it would make sense that everybody was like, just sh- just shut up. Like, quit making this case a right. big deal because, you know, they were able to do it. They were able to shut down. So I don't know if more, I feel like Morris had more to do with it than what they said because, you know, I understand not getting there right away. But if the fire's at 1 a.m., <laughs> taking seven hours to get across yep. town, I'm not, I'm not your fan right now. I'm right. Not, I don't understand. In any type of modern day or past day, unless you lived out in the middle of the country, you took 20 miles to get to, and you are riding a right. horse, and still,
0: like... <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta bring buckets of water with right. it, like, you gotta fill up understand. at the station, I don't, like, I don't
1: understand, um, but you had cell phones, or not you had know, cell phones, but you had phones, you had house phones, you could right. have, like, make. Yeah, by the 40s and
0: 50s, most people had... it. There it was ways,
1: like, they had cars, yeah, you know, you, had, can, yeah. you can get there. Right. I don't understand, um, you know, I could give you an hour, maybe two hours... Based off the time well, and the period. Seven. But not seven hours, no. which makes me think that there was more of a just just wait. Yeah. Don't go. Yeah, and take it, your time. Yeah, call it on the phone tree. Somebody would have showed up, but for right. nobody to show up until 8 a.m.
0: Yeah, that's that's very suspicious for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, that was definitely more than I expected.
1: That's my case, guys.
0: That was a, a good one, I have to admit. I mean... <laughs> Not that I, pretty much everyone you give me is got some sort of twist that throws me off in it, so That's I should cool. expect it at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, tell us tell us what you guys think. I mean, I think I'm pretty so- sold on the whole idea that it had something to do with either the mafia or somebody that was wronged, mm-hmm. but I mean, I-, I think mafia makes sense in this one for Which me. I think
1: you'll never find these kids. And at this point, most of them are probably no longer with us anyway.
0: Right, because they're yeah they really were going to be in their seventies or eighties. The youngest
1: that was two is you know almost eighty if she's not eighty right, by now. Exactly. So, you know, for her older siblings, the next one would have been three years older, eighty-three. It just
0: while it's not impossible, it's very unlikely. Very highly unlikely.
1: Yeah. So, um. um I, I would love to know. And now I know as involved as Sylvia and you know. Her children, you know, all the grandchildren were so involved in making sure this case wasn't forgotten and finding where their brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles went. Yeah. You know, I I would love to see DNA and research like modern day forensics on this, but yeah. I don't think that's ever going to happen. So
0: definitely, yeah, yeah, I think at this point it's pretty unlikely.
1: Genealogy report would be really cool though if you could find yeah. a way to link them to somebody else. But again, this is mafia. You may have orders not to do that. Exactly. But somebody's grandchildren might. True. So maybe we'll find them one day because of some genealogy.
0: It's report. very possible nowadays. It's very. Yeah. It's a very common occurrence nowadays. Everybody
1: gets a twenty-three andMe box for Christmas now. So. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, I did my ancestry one a couple of years ago, and I I feel like every day I get an email talking about. Hey, it's a possible connection, like, in your family tree, and, like... I
1: did not, but it's because my family didn't do any of it. I know that they didn't. I know that my parents... Or my, I'm sorry, my dad's side, we have a book of all of, like, the family tree stuff. Right. But they were so secretive that, like, everyone... This is I know this is very, like, off topic, but when it was done, I was probably in middle school, and my grandma... Who was divorced from this family anyway, she knows more than anybody else because she's still friends with all of them. But she was telling me that like, you know, finding people now and finding the history was so hard because nobody talked about anything. Right. And now that they you know, she was trying to put it together, no every scared every unless I the family scared of twenty three and me. Yeah, but she definitely did not input all of that to that website. So I would find yeah. nothing if I did it. And my parent, my mom's side, didn't do that either. So, right. but we have a better history of that side because they yeah. like to talk and they're very much about family trees.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, it was more the whole because we didn't know my dad's dad. Yeah. Um. And so, um, being able to see that and seeing genealogy that we didn't know
1: right. that we had
0: that that's you know that's I very hard
1: too because like it goes back to. I think like the 1800s, where there was an orphan left on the doorstep. Mm. So we got to there, and then, but my my aunt was able to trace that back somehow and figure right. out where he came from. Um, I don't know how they figured out who, yeah. but I'm apparently a princess, so crowned me.
0: There you go. But uh, <laughs> well, that that um, yeah, that was crazy for sure. Uh, tell us what you guys think. <laughs> Was, I, I feel
1: like you guys are figuring out who does what, though. I feel like I do more of the older stories. You do more of the faith hedge path, like yeah, I, modern.
0: I, I don't know if it's that necessarily. I like the modern more. I just think that like I get into the whole forensic stuff yeah. very. I like I like seeing those those details. Whereas back in the day, they didn't really have that. Like right. DNA wasn't a thing. So I I think my head goes to the the gross. Yeah, like details. I mean, I
1: mean, like them too. I just feel like the older ones you can speculate a lot more. Right.
0: Though that is the cool thing about the older ones. There's a, it leaves a lot more up for the you know, Your imagination and like theories that are a little wilder than what they. Yeah, they get a better psycho-
1: psychological evaluations because they're probably no longer with us, so nobody can argue with me. Yeah. And you know, like Mary Queen of Scots being bipolar. Right. You know, nobody likes to talk about that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like to. I think that's cool. So.
0: Right. I don't know. But. Um, tell us what you guys think about this case. I mean, it's obviously a very interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, give us your theories. If you think it's mafia, if you think the kids died in the fire, if you think yeah. it was just a random crazy dude trying to sell insurance, you know, whatever you think I it know, is.
1: That's, it's, it's both it, of them. The one, you saw the fuse box and said, yes,
2: go call the fire. Right? right. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, could have been any number of things. So let us know what you guys think. Um, you can do that by sending us... An email to podcast.case.close at gmail.
1: Instagram at podcastcaseclose. Uh, hey guys, we have a Patreon.
0: Yeah. Uh, our Patreon link will be in the uh, description. So go ahead and check that out. Um, we have three tiers a, uh, is it a, th- what's it, a three, five, and ten? Sure. I think that's what it is. Yep. No, no, it's a dollar, five, and ten. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, tier one, one dollar. Tier two, three or two it two five a, a month
2: guys
1: you get a free episode yeah
0: you get a free episode um but like we said last time you know this money's all going to the the podcast yeah helping uh make it better for you guys um getting us you know giving us stuff that we can buy to up our uh setup and make it a little yeah. more user-friendly
1: promise i won't use your money on like cloth diapers or anything yeah
0: exactly like we're <laughs> not going to using any of that stuff um, but it's, it's going to go to helping the podcast make it better for your guys' enjoyment and for our, um, ease. ease. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, check it out guys. Um, if you can't, that is totally fine. We are here for still you guys to, to enjoy it. Yeah. Just talk to us still. Um, but if you can, that'd be awesome. If not, we do not hold it against you. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, we hope you guys have, um, a great new year. Be safe. Remember, do not drink and drive.
1: Oh, do not.
0: Seriously. There are too many options now for you to get home. Stay
1: home. AAA has a tipsy, um, I think it's called Tipsy Taxi. Yes. Um, And you don't have
0: to be a AAA member. No,
1: to use that service. service. Call me. I mean, (laughs) please do not. Like
0: like walk home. I don't care what you have to do. Uh, I mean, don't don't drive drunk, please. So, uh, but be safe. Have a happy, happy new year. Let's hope 2021 is a little easier than what uh, 2020 was. Although,
1: on that note, um, there is an Irish um, saying or a little thing where you open your door right before midnight. Yes. and let keep it open through midnight so that the old year can leave.
2: There we go. Um,
1: open your windows. Open your doors. Um, I know that Ash and Alina say fresh Irish for dead people. But you know what? I'm
2: willing
0: to uh, risk it
1: this year. Yeah. Get it out.
0: Seriously. Close open- them right
1: back and lock them. But right.
0: Yeah. We don't want anybody coming in and murdering you. Yeah. So um
1: just
0: for, minute, just, for minute,
1: just, <laughs> just for a minute, Just for a minute. Just for a minute. Just for a minute. It's also very
0: cold. So yes. Yeah, depending on where you are. Um, uh, but uh uh you guys have a great day. Um, you know, New Year's Day and all that stuff. Yeah. And just uh and happy
1: birthday,
0: baby sissy. Yeah, happy birthday, Lexi. Um and we will uh see you guys next time. Okay. information presented in this podcast will be cited in the show notes. Music for Case Close composed by Catastrophic Jones. Editing by Olivia McDonald. Case Close is produced by Sean and Olivia McDonald.